thank you for your interest in listening to today's podcast. We hope and pray that today's topic will have some sort of influence to bring about transformation in your life. Now, please enjoy this talk on Fernando Franco's podcast. Spirit of Jesus, living within us. Let me give you part two of Sick of Religion. In 1938, 73% of Americans were church attenders. Today, less than 50% of Americans go to church. Why is that? I believe people are sick of religion. They're sick of being controlled, sick of being judged, sick of fake love. If you remember the time that Jesus uh, spoke this verse, that we just read together. If you were here last week, I took quite a few minutes to explain to you that back in those days, if you were a Jew, you had to carry a Roman soldier's equipment for up to one mile by law. You had to. If you didn't, you broke the law and therefore you were punished. So if you were a Jew and a Roman soldier told you, hey, carry my luggage, my equipment. If you were an abled body and you were male, you had to do it up to one mile. So Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, Jesus says, go with that Roman soldier, basically two miles, not one. What Jesus was basically saying is, we got to break religion. In other words, you got to do more than what just what is just required of you. And so the difference between the first mile and the second mile. The first mile is religion. The second mile is relationship. And Jesus came to break the curse of relationship of of religion. And for some religious people, that upset them. But on the other hand, for some religious people, that attracted them. Jesus said, number one, to love your neighbor is the first mile. To love your enemy is the second. Jesus said, number two, to bless those who bless you is the first mile. And to bless those who curse you is the second Number three, to do good to those who do good to you is the first mile, but to do good to those who hate you is the second mile. He said, number four, praying for those who pray for you is the first mile, and praying for those who despitefully use you is the second mile. That's the difference between religion and relationship. The Pharisees lived in the first mile, and the disciples who had a relationship with Jesus lived in the second mile. I'm convinced that more souls would be saved if we lived our lives in the second mile. Could you imagine how many people will come to church if you and I lived our lives in the second mile? I wonder how many of you invited people to church today who hate you. How many of you invited people to church today who is your enemy? So I'm convinced that 
that more people will be saved if we live their lives in the second mile. However, the only way that we can live our lives in the second mile is if we have a relationship with the only one who can give us the want for the second mile. See, because it's not easy to live in the second mile. No, nobody just naturally wants to live in the second mile. Nobody naturally here can say, yes, I want to love my enemy. The only way that you'll able be, to be able to live your life saying, I actually love my enemy, is the closer you get to God. The bigger of a relationship you build with Jesus is the, the step forward on really uh, getting you to a place to want to live in the second mile. Uh, you don't want to have to live in the second mile. You want to want to live in the second mile. And that's hard to do. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 14, he said, Because small is a gate and narrow is a way which leads to life, there are very few who find that path. That's why he says broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is actually leads to life. You see, and real life, real life is being able to be at joy in, in peace in how you're living your life today. See, because if there's no peace on how you're living right now, there's no life. You're a walking corpse. But when you're able to be that very few group of people that have that relationship with God and walk in that narrow path that leads to life. You see, don't be fooled by that person who is at levity live with a Corona bottle in their hand that has a smile on their face. Don't be fooled and say, I wish I had that life. Because if you would sit down to them eye to eye, one on one, and you would ask them about their life, and they'll ask you about your life, they probably will choose your life without the bottle of Corona. So don't be fooled about that broad way that leads to destruction, that leads to divorce, that leads to... Um, a penalty that leads to the county jail, that leads to a prison, that leads to, uh, are you getting what I'm saying? Relationship. See, in Jesus' day, there were a total of six prominent religious groups. There was religion left and right all over Israel. And that's what Jesus walked into. You got to imagine it was six groups against Jesus's new message. Six religious groups. Pharisees were one of them. Number two, Sadducees were another religious group. Teachers of the law were another group. Supporters of Herod was another group. The Zealots were another group. And then the Essenes were another group. Six religious and political groups that Jesus had to face and prove that he was the son of God. 
Thank God you and I don't have to face that today. In China, they do. In Indonesia, they do. In the Soviet Union, they do. There's places where they got to actually face the power of religion. Well, you can't profess Christianity in a Muslim capital country of the world. The other day I was hanging out with, um, with a, a, a person, a, a per, uh, how can I say this? An employee of a, of a, of a Christian company called Subsplash. Subsplash is a company that has been around for, t- for 15 years now, and our church used to be on it at one time, but they were the first company that came out with church apps, apps for churches, Subsplash. And we were there, and I was invited to a, a game, a Clippers game, and, and this, this employee was there, and he was telling me that Subsplash, he says, I can't say too much about it right now. But those of you who were at the uh, Oasis Church and Christine Kane was talking about how she went to this, I forget what country it was, and how uh, she was asked to speak to the leaders of that church, and it was an underground church. And remember, on their way, Christina asked them, well, what do you want me to teach you? Or she asked them, well, what do you guys teach here? And they said, well, what we teach here is we teach our leaders on how they, are, how they could... Um, evangelize and convert their enemy who has handcuffed them and is taking them to their execution. I'm not sure if I said that right. There's a lot going through my mind right now. And one of them are like, Fernie, you're getting off of your notes. That's one of the things that's going through my mind right now. But that's what you call an underground church. Subsplash is creating something now where for these underground churches like China, how they're able to communicate privately through cell phone where everybody's going to be meeting for church on what day without the government having power to tap into their privacy. Yes, praise God for that. But you and I don't have to worry about that. You know where we're at every Sunday. Half of you were somewhere else last Sunday, but we all know where we are to where we're going to have church every Sunday. We don't have to deal with these religious political groups that try to stop a move of God. Because the Bible says that where two or more gathered, I am there in the midst where the Bible says that uh, where there is unity, the Lord commands his blessing. And so that's why it is important when we come together as one because God can't help but to command the same way he commanded the oceans to halt and the same way he commanded Lazarus to resurrect from the dead and the same way he commanded the sun and the stars to appear and the same way he commanded Satan to be crushed on the underneath our feet. The same way he commanded Peter to walk on water is the same way he'll command a blessing when church comes together in attendance and lift their hands and praise the same God at the same time. It's the same way God is going to command his blessing upon your life. That's why there is power when we come together. All these religious groups and remember religion has control over people. 
And Jesus came to set the captives free. And these religious groups were in places of power and they didn't want to lose their position of the power. It was the love, miracles, and sacrifice that Jesus modeled that was the attraction to a generation that converted over the religious weary soul of his day. And it's the same formula in the year 2020 that is still going to work today. Love, miracles, and sacrifice. People are going to come to church when they know they're going to be loved here. People are going to come to church when they know that they can be healed of cancer here. People are going to come to church when they know somebody made a sacrifice so they can have life here. See, Jesus was good. I was talking with um, a couple of guys in the home the other day about uh, evangelism. And we were talking about the methodology of evangelism. Because um, methods change and there's so many different styles of, of, of preaching. You know, one of the things that really, um, I, I kind of was a little interrupted with is the day that Kobe Bryant died. The day that Kobe Bryant died, as you know, everybody flocked to the Staples Center. And every news network was there. And as I was watching the news, uh, it, was, it, was, it was the day that Kobe died. And on the news, I'm seeing behind this news anchor, a group of Christians with bullhorns in their hands and signs, and they're preaching, and they're saying, what if you die today? Are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to go to hell? You better get saved right now, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like a little interrupted by that, a little bothered by that, is that, hey, listen, uh, methods, uh, methods change, and, 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 and timing is everything. Timing is everything. If you watched the fight last night, you'll, you'll know the difference between timing and speed. Timing always wins over speed. People say speed kills, but sometimes speed kills the one who's doing the speed. But timing always wins over speed. And to me, that was the wrong timing at somebody's death date to be telling the world... Are you going to go to hell if you die today? And so I'm talking to the guys about methodology on how, what we need to do and what we can do to be able to evangelize our community and our city and in the right timing and how this is not 1990 anymore. This is 2020. It's 2020. And we begin to talk and I said, hey, listen, Jesus knew how to evangelize. Can I step right here, Pastor Joe, at least to right here? Your shoe's tied? Okay. Jesus knew how to evangelize. I mean, the guy was, not the guy, my Savior. My Savior was amazing when it came to evangelism. I mean, look at all the methods he used, man. You'll pay attention to this one. Okay, he preached from a boat. He borrowed somebody's boat that didn't know that the person who owned the boat was going to get saved soon. Borrow somebody's car this week and maybe they'll get saved next week. Hey, but look at, so he borrowed a boat. He preached from a boat. He got crowds. It wasn't that big, but he got crowds when he did that that day. Um, he preached in a house. People, people announced that Jesus was going to be preaching in a house. And so it was like... Um, 
people passed out flyers sort of sense. And Jesus showed up and the house was packed and he lowered a man through the roof and this paralyzed man was healed and he got crowds. The crowds grew bigger. Now people couldn't even fit in the house. The Bible says they were all outside the yard wanting to come in. And then Jesus, uh, his methods of evangelism, then he began to do other crowds. Then he started doing uh, like there was a crowd that was in attendance that the Bible says there were 5,000 people there because of a miracle that he did. Because miracles. People showed up at the house because of his teaching. Now, 5,000 people were there present. The miracle that he did even just attracted larger crowds after that. But hear me what I'm going to say right now. The largest crowd that Jesus ever attracted when he evangelized is when he died. The largest attendance he ever had before him is when he died for people. Love always wins over every method of evangelism that you can think of. You don't have to have the nicest flyer and the most amazing sound equipment. You ain't got to have the prettiest buses and the greatest uh, uniforms. All you got to have is love. And without love, all you are is just a clanging symbol. And without love, you have nothing. Because love always wins and love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers homosexuality love covers heroin addiction love covers adulterous women and love covers fornicating men love covers addicts and love covers millionaires who are just uh, going from house to house sleeping with women with women love always wins best way to break religion is love and Jesus was good at that so in John chapter 3 it says there was there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council he came to Jesus that night and said rabbi we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now remember, this was Nicodemus. He was part of the Pharisees, a religious group who disagreed with Jesus. By the way, all these six groups had something that they disagreed uh, with Jesus about. Nicodemus... Went to Jesus and he called him rabbi. Listen to me. He called him rabbi because at that moment, to Jesus, to Nicodemus, the relationship was only that Jesus was a good teacher, not a savior. But that was still good enough to attract a Pharisee, a religious people, a religious person to come to Jesus at night. He had to do it when everybody else was sleeping in his group because he didn't want nobody to know that he was thinking of converting over to the Savior called Jesus Christ. So he comes at night and he tells Jesus these things. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a member of this Jewish ruling council, the Pharisees. Let me tell you really quick about these groups here. The Pharisees, let's talk about them first. They were a strict 
group of religious Jews who advocated. They just were, they were advocating. Anything Jesus did, they just advocated it. They were very influential in the synagogues of their day. Many of the Pharisees were also teachers of the law. They rejected Jesus' claim to be the Messiah. They despised Jesus because he didn't follow all of their traditions. And they despised him because he associated with notoriously wicked people. This, was, this is a Pharisee spirit. You know, when you hear people say, you, you have a Pharisee spirit, all these things that I just mentioned about the Pharisees, do we have that kind of spirit? I mean, I was taught, hey, don't go to a wedding if there's going to be alcohol there. Well, isn't that where I should be? How can we, we win the loss if we don't associate with the loss? How can we win our family to Christ if we're never at family functions? Let them see you there without a bottle of Corona, without a mirror in the restroom with some powder on it, without somebody. Oh, gosh, I wish I had an amen. Pharisee, Pharisee, Pharisee. Hallelujah, you. Would you take the place of a Barnabas or you're too righteous for that? See, Jesus associated with, with notoriously wicked people and a Pharisee. Pharisee said, no, he shouldn't be hanging out with him. He shouldn't be doing that. And he shouldn't be doing this. He shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be with them. And, and he should, no, he should be, he should, no, no, no. Pharisee, 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 Pharisee. Pharisee, 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 Pharisee. And then you go to this other group. I like to call them, they were sad, you see. The Sadducees were a wealthy, upper-class, religious, priestly party. See, not only, not only were they um, religious, but they were wealthy religious group. And they profited from the business of the temples around them. See, everybody had to give the money to them. The Sadducees. And they... They only believed in the five laws, the five books of Moses. That's all they believed in. And so they rejected and they denied and they disagreed with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. This is, this is who the Sadducees were. They, they did not believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. Now let's move on really quick. The teachers of the law. The teachers of the law, they were what you call interpreters. They were interpreters of what the law said. And they denied Jesus' authority to interpret the law himself because they said Jesus didn't obey all the laws himself. And what they were referring to was a day that Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath day. And it was this group of people, the teachers of the law, that confronted Jesus and said, hey, does not the law say that you should not work on the Sabbath? You know, I guess what I'm trying to explain here is religion and relationship. Somebody told me today, I work with a group called 22 Strong, and, and he called me this week. He said, Pastor, will it be okay if I am not at church on Sunday? He goes, because I'm trying to win over this guy to the Lord. And I told him that uh, I'll go to the swap meet with him on this Sunday if he comes to church with me next Sunday. Now, the old me 
would say, nope, you better be in church. You're part of this group. You're a disciple and you better show up and you already know what we talked about. You got to be committed. You got to be loyal. You got to be faithful and you got to sacrifice and God will win them over. You're not the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that would be the old me. But you know what I told him? I said, you know what? I would rather have you there with that guy than to be listening to me on Sunday. I go, you listen to me every Sunday. What are we, you know what we're going to do at 22 Strong again? We're going to sit down and we're going to talk. When are we going to stop talking and start doing? I said, you're doing what we're talking about. So yeah, go over there on Sunday. Have a good time at that swap meet. Let me know if they have any winos. Bring me a pair back. Talk to him about Jesus. Bring him to church next Sunday. I said, be a soul winner. So Jesus was like, Really, you're hitting me up because I'm healing somebody and not only healing them, but saving their soul and all because it's the Sabbath. It's a religious spirit. It's a religious spirit. And then there were supporters of Herod. And God, I, I, let me just move quick, okay? These guys were a political party. As a matter of fact, hopefully we'll get to this at Easter's coming up. By the way, we have a powerful theatrical sermon called Empty for Easter Sunday. You don't want to miss it. But, you know, there was a trial that Jesus had to go through before he was arrested. It was five different trials that Jesus had to go through. And Jesus would have not been crucified or he could have not been crucified if he didn't have Herod's permission. And so Herod actually played a key role in actually Jesus's death. And there were supporters of Herod in those days. They were a political party. And they, their intentions were to trap Jesus and to plot and to make up a false story about him so that way he could die. And the whole purpose of that is because they saw Jesus as a threat to their political future at the time when they were trying to regain from Rome some of their political power back. And so these, these guys, these are what you call supporters of Herod. This was a religious time in Jesus' day. And then there were the zealots. These guys, actually you even had, I want to say James or one of Jesus' disciples was a zealot. He got converted over to being one of the disciples. And he, these, these were a fiercely dedicated group of Jewish loyalists determined to end the Roman rule in Israel. All these groups were around. And so... You know, they believed, these zealots, they believed that, or, 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 or they believed in the Messiah, but they did not recognize that Jesus was sent by God to be him. And then the last group, there's the Essenes. They were a Jewish monastic group. Monastic group would be somewhat like what you and I are familiar with as monks. These were like, you want to talk about holy, 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 holy people. They lived in caves. They separated themselves outside the walls of Israel, of Jerusalem. And they hid. And all they did was consecrate, separate, never associate. And they were distant. You ever hear that saying that says somebody is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? Well, that's, that was this religious group, the ascends. So heavenly minded, no earthly good. Earthly good is forgiving somebody 70 times seven. 
earthly good is not trying to be understood, but to understand. Earthly good. Wait till you get to heaven before you start living there. But as for now, you're still flesh and blood. You just don't make the same mistakes the person does that gets exposed. You're just the one that nobody hears you cuss on the 101 freeway because you're by yourself in the car. <laughs> but these groups disagreed. They disagreed. And, and now my time has come to an end. So they all disagreed with Jesus. To disagree with Jesus really puts us on a, a boundary line of disagreeing with his love. And when we disagree with God's love, we could start becoming a religious party. I saw uh, Brother Felipe, who's not here because he's sick today, but he posted a post last week, and my phone is, thing is not reception. Oh, but oh gosh, you can't read it, but I'll read it. It says, when I say that I am a Christian, I am not shouting that I am clean living. I'm whispering I was lost, but now I'm found and forgiven. When I say I am a Christian, I don't speak of this with pride. I'm confessing that I stumble and need Christ to be my guide. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak and need his strength to carry on. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not bragging of success. I'm admitting I have failed and need God to clean my mess. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are far too visible, but God believes I am worth it. When I say I am a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain. I have my share of heartaches, so I call upon his name. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not holier than thou. I'm just a simple sinner who received God's good grace somehow. And it says it's liked by Pastor underscore Frankie Rivera. Are you saying, Pastor, you're soft. You're leading people to hell. Preach against sin. We'll get those sermons. But it can't be every sermon. You know why? Because... We're in this world and not of it. And as long as you're in it, you'll commit the sins that come along with it. We strive to be perfect. I do, believe me. And I'm not preaching this message because um, whatever, uh, I'm in sin or, or trying to um, sugarcoat things. I talked last week about balanced diet as a sheep feeder. And you need to know that you are loved by God no matter what. Period. 
So I do close with this, page six of page nine. Here's what I close with. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, was tired of being around people who quoted the verse but didn't rehearse the verse. I'm going to say it again. He was tired of being around people who quoted the verse but didn't rehearse the verse. They didn't practice what they preached. And that's what Pharisees were. They just taught, 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 taught. Point, 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 point. And never took their own selves into consideration that everything they were saying, what people were, they were that themselves. A sinner. Oh man, I wish I could just preach. Nicodemus, I did this before Nicodemus, but Nicodemus was sick of religion. He was sick of religion. He says, I'm tired of this religious lifestyle. I'm out and I want a relationship with this man named Jesus who has to be sent from God. So, God, I pray for this church. There are so many different people here who are in different seasons there's a group that are so far from sin there's a group who is trapped in their sin there's a group who are suffering the consequences because of the sins and there's a group here that don't even know that are about to sin. But I do know this, God, that you gave me this message for this flock. Why? I don't know, but you just gave it to me. And why is it taking so long to finish? I don't know, God, but you gave this to me. And I'm going to finish it. So I pray whatever group is in this presence that they would take it and maybe they can't eat it this morning but maybe they'll have to microwave this next Saturday when they find themselves in their condition on that Saturday but I do know that your word never returns to you void so I pray this word will live forever and forever in each and every one of these people's lives. We thank you for listening to today's podcast. Now it's your time to add the value of this podcast to your daily life. Once again, thank you for your time in listening to Fernando Franco's podcast today. Please help us spread this message by compelling someone today about this podcast.
Thank you, and may God bless you.